Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Lessons from a Birth Sermon Series, which looks at the people and events surrounding the birth of Christ. We would love to hear if the sermon was an encouragement to you and how God used it in your life. Well, let's go to our Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter number two this morning. Luke chapter two, and then uh, I do want to say, if you have not heard, we have a praise from the week, and maybe you recognized a different piano player this morning, and that's because Rebecca had the baby, and I had a little baby Ellery on Monday morning at, uh, I think, 3.30 in the morning or something like that, and so you'll get to meet her in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we praise the Lord for healthy baby, healthy mom. Uh, continue to pray for Rebecca as she heals up from that, and pray for that little baby, and pray for Micah. You know, it's really hard on the husbands uh, after your wife. Yeah. <laughs> I tried, Micah. It's not working. <clears throat> Well, this morning, we're getting uh, back into just a short little series that we've been in for a few weeks called Lessons from a Birth, and uh, really, we're just kind of diving into the Christmas story and seeing if we can uh, just learn some thoughts and some different uh, maybe characteristics that are in some of the characters that we see in the, in the Christmas story. We've already looked at Mary and Joseph, and uh, of course, last week, we were in Luke chapter number two and saw the birth of Christ and the shepherds and what took place, at, place on that hillside, and then as they left in Luke chapter two and verse Verse number 20, when it says that they went abroad telling everybody of the things that they had seen, the things that they had heard. And uh, the one truth I see, everybody who meets Jesus, their life has changed. And uh, we see that true for the shepherds. We'll see that next week in the wise men. Of course, we know it to be true in Mary and Joseph. And today... We're going to come and see two other characters, and we'll see that to be the case in their life as well. Before we get to, uh, to our uh, message this morning, let me just uh, ask you if anybody in here is like me and you like ice cream. All right. It's really no secret that I'm an ice cream lover. I love ice cream. Uh, it's, that's probably the one, one downside about being kind of sick is you're not supposed to eat sugar. And uh, if you talk to anybody who comes to our house frequently, if you open our freezer, you will always find ice cream. You'll always find ice cream, especially something with chocolate, something with peanut butter. I just love ice cream. And you know what? I've been to some places, and you have too, that maybe when you go and, and uh, you're buying ice cream, you know, if it's behind the counter and you're, I don't know, at somewhere like a Baskin Robin, I don't know, don't go there. Um, just go buy your own tub. Anyway, uh, if you're on vacation and you can't buy your own tub and you go to a, an ice cream parlor of some sort, and you know what I always love is, is when you get the, the one server who, who their, their one scoop it's not just one scoop. It's like two. Yeah, they, they go down, and, you know, I'm kind of standing there, and I'm like, listen, you know, I, I just want the one scoop, but I think, the, I think there's a sign out front. It says buy one, and what was your name, Julie? It says buy one, and Julie will put another one on. That's the sign out front says that. And I'll, I'll do that all the time. You can ask my wife. She gets irritated. Well, she probably, I don't know, maybe annoyed. But I always, I always ask for those free things, and Man, I'll do anything for an extra scoop of ice cream. I'll smile. I'll make the puppy dog face, you know, it's like. I'd even compliment them like as a sister. I'd be like, you're the best sister ever. If I was your brother, if I was your brother, I'd be delighted to have you as a sister. I don't know, I, I will think of something to get an extra 
scoop of ice cream. And the fact is, everybody loves, everybody loves that little extra scoop. At home, when Hannah's scooping the ice cream, I'll give her puppy dog eyes. I'll say, you're the best wife ever, <laughs> which you are. But would you please still give me an extra scoop of ice cream? Man, we all want that, that extra scoop. And what if I were to tell you that there are some things in life that you could do and the Lord would actually give you an extra scoop. Not, an, not of ice cream, but I believe in the scripture, there are some things that God says, I'll give you an extra blessing. I'll bring something extra into your life if some of these characteristics are in your life. And this morning we're going to come and we're gonna look at another aspect of the Christmas story Two characters in particular, their names are Anna and Simeon. And we're going to see God coming to the place where he gives them what I'm calling an extra scoop. He gives them an extra blessing. And I believe he gives that extra blessing because of some certain characteristics that we see in their lives. And so if you're there in Luke chapter number two, why don't you take your Bible and go to Luke chapter two and let's stand together in Luke chapter number two. And, and we're going to start reading in verse number 21. Luke 2 and verse number 21, we read this, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of, which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and yet and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. 
Again, as we read this passage, we discover the characters Anna and Simeon, and really we see Mary and Joseph again. And what we're going to find this morning is that all of these individuals in this passage receive what I see as an extra blessing. It's something that maybe they were, uh, they were expecting one thing, but they got something completely different. They got an extra blessing, if you will. And so today, we're going to look into their lives and discover what extra blessing did they receive, and how could we take some of the characteristics that they have and apply them to our life that we too might receive the extra blessing or the extra scoop. And it's a, it's a lesson that I think will be helpful to us today. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into his word this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a moment, and just in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you ask the Lord to speak to you today? You can pray something simple of, Dear God, please speak to my heart this morning. Dear God, please speak to my heart. And then maybe commit to the Lord that as he speaks to you, that you're listening to him. That you're gonna make a decision based upon how he speaks to you today. Dear Lord, we just wanna come before you today and we wanna thank you for your love and your care for us. God, I wanna thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how it applies to our lives. I wanna thank you, Lord, for the truth that you have for each of us. And Lord, as we come before you today, I just wanna humble my heart before you and recognize, Lord, that I need you. God, I have nothing to offer and give except what you give through your word. And so, Lord, I just humble myself to you today and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I ask you, Lord, that if there's someone that's here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you as their savior. And Lord, we ask that as we go through the service today, Lord, that you would just capture our attention. And Lord, that you'd give us exactly what you want for each of us as individuals. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <coughs> as we come to our passage this morning, I want us to first off to, to start and kind of see that God blesses when we submit to him. God blesses when we submit to him. As we open up the passage in Luke chapter number two and verse 21 down through verse number uh, 25, what we find taking place is we find Mary and Joseph submitting themselves to the plan of God. Uh, many people can look at this portion of scripture and even see the uh, submission of God, of, of Jesus Christ to God's plan. But I want you to see kind of what takes place as you come to Luke chapter two, verse 21 through 25. In the passage, we see Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus uh, to the temple two times. Number one, we see him bringing Jesus for uh, Christ, for the circumcision of Christ. That would be in verse number 21. This was something that would go back, of course, to the Old Testament. <coughs> Excuse me, go back to the Old Testament and be something that they would do on the eighth day of a, a baby boy being born. That's the first time they go. But then the second time they come is a time in verse number 22 that it's the days of Mary's purification. And we'll see this again in just a moment. They bring Christ before uh, the, the, uh, the priest and into the temple for a dedication time, kind of saying, God, we give our child back to you. But what we find taking place, if you'll remember with me, and, and we need to kind of know a few things because it helps a lot of things, a lot of truths come to light. Mary and Joseph, they're from a little town of Nazareth. Nazareth would just be sit a few miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee. And if you were to go to Nazareth, you would find that Nazareth 
Nazareth at their time was just a, a little podunk town, if you will. It was something that uh, not many good things could come from Nazareth. It was looked down upon. And we already looked at that a couple of weeks ago as we saw Mary and Joseph. Well, the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph, they were called to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. This would be Luke chapter two and verse number one, that there went a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And you can see that Luke chapter one, verse, or Luke chapter two, verses one and two. So Mary and Joseph, they would, they would travel down from Nazareth, of course, they wouldn't go the straight shot because you'd have to go through Samaria, and Jews didn't pass through uh, Samaria, that central Israeli area right here. And so they would travel east over to the Jordan River. Some believe uh, they would even go over the Jordan River and travel down to Jericho, come back in on the west, and travel down to Jerusalem and then into Bethlehem. Of course, there in Bethlehem is where Mary, Luke chapter 2, she gives birth, Luke 2, 7, gives birth to Jesus Christ in in that, in that cave, we call it a stable. It would just be a, a cave on the side of a hill where they would keep livestock. And this is where the savior of the world would be born and laid inside of a, a manger, a feeding trough, a cement feeding trough there with the animals. And <clears throat> of course, Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20 would take place and the shepherds would come. And they would share their news of us, them being out on the hillside and seeing the angels and everything that took place. And uh, I hope you'll be here tonight. We'll meet some shepherds tonight who, who recount for us exactly what happened that night. And as those shepherds recounted to Jesus, or recounted to Mary and Joseph, the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph, they were just kind of, they were just kind of awestruck. And here's why I believe they were kind of awestruck, because the angel had appeared, and don't miss this, the angel had appeared to Mary and Joseph Right, They knew that they were going to have Jesus. But they almost would think that that would probably be the last time. He came to us once. He gave us the word once. We, we really don't know if we could hear it again or need it again. And then the shepherds come and they say, hey, angels came to us. Your son is the Messiah. There's just another, another confirmation. And so some time goes by. Of course, the shepherds leave, and Mary and Joseph are still there in Bethlehem, awaiting the days of her, her purification. It'll be 40 days after giving birth to a son. And what we find is Mary and Joseph traveling on the 40th day, they travel to Jerusalem. Jerusalem would be uh, one of the major city areas at that time. This is a, um, a little model city of Jerusalem at the time of Christ that is there in Israel, and you can go and view this little model city, but Jerusalem at this time, it would be really the epicenter for life in the, in the Israeli area. It'd be probably about 100,000 people would live there, and Mary and Joseph, they travel there into Jerusalem. But in Jerusalem, they go to a specific place, and the specific place they go to is the temple. They go to the temple. Now, the temple would be a very important place to the Jews. The temple was a place where they believed that God met with his people, and they would date that all the way back to 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse number 1. Uh, the children of Israel cling to the promise that God meets his people at the temple. What's interesting is there's still a number of Jews that, that lean on that today. They believe that the only place that God will meet with his people is in the Temple Mount. They're in Jerusalem, and that's why they have that western wall. That's the closest that they can come to God's presence. 
Well, this temple place, it would be a place that represented to the people of Israel law and grace. Because uh, there would be one time of year that the the uh, priest would go into the Holy of Holies and would make a sacrifice and God would give grace to his people. And even though they had broken the law, uh, God would have mercy and he would have grace. And there's a lot in there and you can go and study a lot of things about the temple. Actually, if you wanted to, you could read the book of Hebrews and discover a lot about the temple. But the reason that Mary and Joseph go on this day is because they're told that when it's time to circumcise your son, that you go to the temple. It's done as kind of a, a testimony, circumcision. We won't get into all of that this morning, but it's done as just kind of saying, uh, for the Jews, it was a way of saying, we belong to God. And so that would take place. It gets its roots from Genesis 17. They would, at this time, they would name Jesus. You see verse number 21 that they came time for the circumcising and his name was called Jesus. So they named the child that day. Well, that name is significant because that was the name given to him. Matthew chapter one and verse number 21. Uh, he shall, she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus because he's gonna save his people from their sins. And Jesus, or the Lord is salvation. So Jesus goes for this time of circumcision, but then also the time of dedication. This time of dedication <clears throat> they would come back, and this goes back to Leviticus chapter 12 and verse number six, that after a certain number of days, after those 40 days are fulfilled, that she would bring a firstborn son and dedicate him back to the Lord. Now, what's interesting is part of the ceremonial process for a Jewish family is that they would pay a price. They would give five shekels or two turtle doves and two pigeons, by doing that, they would simply be saying that this child is from God and they give it back to the Lord. But here's what's interesting in our passage and sometimes we would just read right over it. I want us to notice, uh, if you were to go to verse number 24, verse number 24 tells us what they brought to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. This would kind of be the alternative. So you're supposed to bring five shekels with the dedication, or if you were poor, you bring two turtle doves and two pigeons. I want you to understand something that this really doesn't have a lot to do with the message, it's just kind of a simple thought, that Jesus didn't have a lot growing up. He wasn't raised in some mansion. Jesus wasn't raised with a lot of belongings. Every time you see Mary and Joseph in Scripture, we see them as poor people. Every time we see Mary and Joseph in Scripture, we see them as people needing stuff. And uh, they're kind of those who would live on the other side of the track, so to speak. And that's, that's the life of Mary and Joseph. And that's what Jesus grew up in. And, you know, I just want to tell you is it doesn't matter where you grow up. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how much you have. Christ still wants to be involved in your life. Mary and Joseph could have said, we have nothing. Why does he want to be involved in our lives? And yet here you have the savior of the world being born into a poor family. So they come and they present Jesus as a dedication back to the Lord. You say, pastor, where do we see submission in all of this? Well, where I see submission is the fact that they, they knew that he was God's son. They knew that he was the Christ. They could have already been like, you know, they could have been like, hey, 
we don't need to make the trip into Jerusalem. He already belongs to God. Hey, he's, I mean, the angel told us that he is the Lord's. God knows that he belongs. But you know what I see them doing? I see them submitting their own hearts, desires, maybe submitting what they would want to do and just kind of sitting back and saying, well, we already know he belongs to the Lord. We don't need to go. They submit and they, they obey the law and they take the instruction of God and they live it out. I see submission there. And you know what? When I see their submission, I see an extra blessing for their submission. You say, Pastor, where's the extra blessing? The extra blessing is in the words of the man Simeon that we're gonna see in just a minute. Because as they're there doing that dedication, they're, they're just there with the priest. This older guy comes up to them. And this old guy tells them, hey, God told me I wasn't gonna die until I saw the Messiah, and you're holding him. And then this man, Simeon, takes Jesus in his arms and begins to prophesy. And verse 27 down through verse number, uh, I don't know, 30 or 31, <clears throat> maybe 29 through 34, they're the words of Simeon. And they're all prophecy. But you know what's amazing to me is this was just one more confirmation one more confirmation for Mary and Joseph that their son was the Messiah. And had they not submitted to go in on that 40th day, they would not have received that extra blessing of hearing Simeon say, listen, God sent me to tell you that he is the Messiah. You can believe what the angel said. And God sent confirmation through the voice and through the, uh, the words of Simeon. And I, I see that God did that simply because, the peop simply because Mary and Joseph, they submitted to his plan. Did you know what the truth is tonight or this morning? The truth is that you and I, every day, we have, a, we have an opportunity ourselves to submit to the Lord's plan. You see, God has plans for your life, and he has instruction for your life that he's given you and I, and uh, it starts at salvation, knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, listen, today needs to be the day that you put your faith and your trust in him alone. But, but God's plan for our life, it doesn't stop there. God says, no, I desire for you to grow in me. I desire for you to know me, not just to know religion. I want you to know me. And I think a lot of Christians that we don't mind submitting at the point of salvation, right? We, we want to get saved, man. No one wants to go to hell. And so if I trust Christ as my savior, I don't have to go to hell. And Jesus is my get out of hell ticket. You know, I, I don't have to go to hell because of, I've trusted Jesus. And is that true? Yes, that's true. But submitting to God's plan doesn't start or doesn't stop at your moment of salvation, no, submitting to God's plan, it's, it's understanding that God has more for your life. God has more than just the day in and day out routine of your work. God has more than just the day in and day out routine of being a mom and being a dad and being a son or a daughter. God has more for your life and he desires that you and I would seek after him each and every day saying, God, what is your plan for the day? And understand that his plan is that we would grow in the word of God. Understand that his plan is that we would uh, learn to be a, a good parent and a good, uh, good sibling and a good spouse and know that God's plans in my life, they they don't stop at the moment of salvation. And I think uh, I look at Mary and Joseph. They understood that God's plan for their life did not simply stop when Jesus entered. That was just the start of it. That was just the start of it. And when you trusted Christ as your Savior, 
you submitted to him for that, that's just the start. God wants you to continue to submit to him. And I'm thankful for verses like Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, where it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither, my way, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want you to understand today that God has better plans in your life than you and I have for our lives. And when we submit, when we submit to his plan, when we submit to his will, that's when we see God giving the extra blessings. Verse 33, it says, after the Mary and Joseph heard Simeon speak, it says that they, they marveled. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. The phrase, they marveled, it means that they stood in awe. Well, why did they stand in awe? I mean, everything he said, they already knew. Why did they stand in awe? I think they stood in awe because they were like, wow. We were reminded once again. Man, reminded once again how good God is and how great of a privilege this is. And I believe that, that all of those things were there because they submitted. I see this morning that God blesses when we submit. I want you to notice also that God blesses when we're surrendered. God blesses when we're surrendered. You say, surrendered to what? God blesses when we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the man Simeon. I want you to go with me, verse 25, we meet this man, and we won't spend too much time on him. This morning it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. There's some things that we notice about this man, Simeon. I, I love that the Bible points out that he was just and devout. Just and devout. I, someone say, well, how do you define this? I, I found a description of it, and I, I loved it. He was just towards men and devout towards God. These two must always go together, and each will befriend the other, but neither will atone for the defect of the other. You know what this means? It means he had a right relationship with people and a right relationship with God. Man, a right relationship with people and a right relationship with God. Uh, Simeon was not just what you would call a bumper sticker Christian. You know, he didn't just have the, the, the bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus. He actually lived it out. Simeon was upright in his dealings with others, and he was devout in his relationship with God. And man, how we need more Christians like Simeon. Christians that they don't just say they love the Lord on Sunday, they actually act it out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And then the next Sunday comes around and they're faithful to the place of God. Simeon, he was a just and devout man. The Bible also says that he was a waiting man. The word waiting here, it, it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means he was waiting for the Messiah. The word waiting means living with expectancy. He wasn't just waiting like you would wait on someone in the car, like you did this morning. Some of you are not good waiters because when you wait, there's this like weird noise that comes as you're waiting in the car. You know, you don't know how it happens, but it's this like, you know, that's how you wait. That's not what this waiting is talking about. This waiting is he's, He's living, he's going through his days with expectancy. Hey, today could be the day. He wake, he wake, Simeon would wake up in the morning and say, man, I'm going to the temple today. 
Why? Because today could be the day. Man, today could be the day that Messiah comes. God had promised Simeon that he would not see death until he had seen the Messiah. And so I imagine that Simeon, he woke up on that day. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You know what that means? He got up with expectancy. Hey, it could be today. Jesus could come today. Can I tell you that God still desires for Christians to live with expectancy? And here's why. Because God came once, but he is coming again. And he's coming to receive you and I unto himself, that where he is, there we may be also. And the Bible tells us that in the, in the twinkle of an eye, in a very quick moment, that Jesus is going to come back and receive us again. And I wonder this morning, where are some Christians who will live like Simeon did? Listen, Simeon was waiting for the first coming of Jesus. We're not waiting for that. No, we're waiting for the second. We're waiting for the rapture. First Thessalonians tells us that it's all going to take place. And in that moment, in, the, in a very quick moment, that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and together shall be caught up with him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, my brethren, comfort one another with these words. Why should I be comforted by that? Because I can understand that I could wake up today, December 15th, 2019, just like I woke up December 14th, 2019, just like I woke up December 10th in 2005, wake up with expectancy like, hey, it could be today. Hey, Jesus could come back today. Hey, the Lord could come back today. And you know what I find with Simeon? Simeon was in the place that he knew God would want him to be. Simeon woke up and he knew, I'm getting to the temple. Why? Because today could be the day. You know what Simeon was concerned about? Simeon was concerned that when the Messiah came, that the Messiah would find him doing what he was supposed to be doing. That's what I think. I think Simeon woke up and thought, today could be the day. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the Messiah. I don't want to miss meeting him. I, I need to be the place where I'm supposed to be. And can I tell you right now, there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of Christians awaiting that second time of Christ coming, the, the rapture, that when he comes back, he's going to find you doing some things that maybe you shouldn't be. When he comes back, he's going to find you in some places maybe he shouldn't find you. You see, that's not living with expectancy. Expectancy says, I know he could come today and it's gonna affect how I live. I know he could come today and it's gonna affect how I love him. I know he could come today and it's gonna affect how I speak about him. Simeon was a waiting man. I see that he was a waiting man, but I also see that Simeon had a message from God. You can go through and we won't take time to do all this this morning, but Simeon spoke some things. He, he, number one, in verse 30 through 32, he talked about Jesus being salvation. Hey, Jesus is salvation. And he says, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Hey, Jesus is the one who brings salvation. And, and uh, Simeon began to speak that. He said that Jesus was the Messiah. This is verse number 32, the glory of thy people Israel. Verse 34 he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. He's saying, hey, this is the chosen one of God sent for the people Israel. His message, Jesus is salvation, Jesus is Messiah. Then he gives the message that Jesus will be rejected. In these verses, he speaks about, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus facing the rejection of the people, and we would know that Jesus would face rejection from the moment that his ministry started. I believe Jesus faced rejection in the moments growing up in his home. 
Not from his parents, but I believe Jesus faced rejection from his siblings. I believe that Jesus had his siblings. Now, how many of you grew up with siblings? All right, if you grew up with siblings, listen, then you understand that uh, it's not too easy. How many of you are the oldest sibling? Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> how many of you are the youngest? All right. Man, I grew up as a sibling. I have two older sisters and a younger brother. Of course, my brother died, passed away when I was six years old, so I didn't know what it was like to grow up with a younger sibling. Uh, but I knew what it was like to grow up with two older, mean, ornery, disturbing older siblings. I say that because both of them go back and listen to my preaching online every now and then. <laughs> Dina and Donna, I'm gonna say it again. You're mean, aunt. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> you know what, growing up with sisters... There were times when I could push their buttons and there were times when they would push my buttons. Could you imagine growing up with Jesus? You imagine the ridicule? We, we know that his siblings didn't believe in him until after the, the resurrection. And so can you imagine with Troy, them being there and, you know, I mean, it's Jesus. Like, the Bible tells us that he knew no sin. That means he was perfect, even all growing up. Boy, that'd be aggravating. You know, because you're going to be like, yeah, it wasn't me. It was, yeah, it was me. <laughs> Can't even blame him. You know, mom and dad aren't going to blame me anyway. You're not going to get Jesus in trouble. So you know that behind mom and dad's back, you know what's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want perfect Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus this, Jesus that. I'm not trying to be irreverent right now. I'm saying if you grow up and the siblings, they did not believe he was Messiah. They didn't believe it. And so you know there was some ridicule there. So that ridicule, listen, him being rejected, it started from the moment he had relationships with people. And then you go and you can find places where Jesus is attacked and spoken against. You can find uh, places where they, they slandered his birth. They slandered his miracles. They said that his miracles were sent by Satan. They questioned the character of Jesus. When he died, they slandered his death. When he rose again from the dead, they lied about his resurrection. And even today, people still speak blasphemies, rejecting Jesus. Listen, we talk about living in a politically correct society. Uh, that's just garbage, and here's what I'm gonna tell you this morning, and this, this isn't voting time yet. We'll get around to some of that stuff, but this is a political thought. Everything's politically correct until you mention Jesus. Because you mention Jesus and you don't be, oh, hey, you can't talk about that. Well, I'm gonna speak about Allah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna speak about Joseph Smith. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I wanna speak about Jesus. No, 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 that's offensive language. You say, pastor, what is that? He's gonna be rejected. This was prophesied. In the book of Peter, it says that even in the end days, people are going to mock his coming. Hey, is he really going to come again? And all of this was spoken of by Simeon. Simeon prophesied that Jesus is salvation, that Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is rejected. And then he prophesied that Jesus is going to die for many. Simeon prophesied about this. You can look and we don't have the time to go through it, but you read uh, through what he said in verse number uh, 32 down through verse number 35. Much of it is speaking about the, the crucifixion and about how Mary is going to uh, go through a painful life because of watching Jesus be rejected and then watching Jesus die. What I really want us to take note of this morning about Simeon is in verse 25 and verse 27. 
Notice what we read about Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Verse 25, the end says this, that the, Holy, the end of the verse says that the Holy Ghost was upon him. In verse 27, it says, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. When I look at Simeon, you know what Simeon was? Simeon was one who was surrendered to the Spirit of God. Simeon was one who said, God, what do you have for me today? Simeon was one who was sensitive to what the Holy Spirit would want him to do, and he didn't want to speak a word unless he had been led to speak that word. He didn't want to go to the temple unless he had been led to go to the temple. And uh, when you look at, at Simeon and, uh, uh, and his life, we can see that Luke points out, listen, he was a man that was led by the Spirit of God. Can I tell you this morning that something is leading your life? The Spirit of you or the Spirit of God? And you'll find extra blessing when you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God. He was surrendered to the Spirit of God. What is the extra blessing that he received? Can I just show you real quick the extra blessing? If you look at the promise that God had given him that Simeon recounted for us, Simeon said, I wouldn't die until I had seen the Messiah. In our passage, what does he get to do? Simeon gets to see him, gets to hold him, gets to meet his parents, gets to spend a few minutes with him. Well, what is that? I think that's a blessing of Simeon being surrendered. I think it was a blessing of Simeon living with expectancy. I think it's a blessing because Simeon understood that if I'm led by God, God's gonna do some extra things in my life and now here he is and God, you didn't just let me hold or you didn't just let me see him. Now I, I'm get, I get to hold the Messiah. Now, for you and I, we think, okay, pastor, well, that's not that big of a deal. No, listen, that's a big deal for this man, for this Jewish man, this one who had been waiting for years, and, and many people believe that him to be super, uh, a super old individual and perhaps 100 years old, and we know that Anna, she would have been at least 105 years old, and so Simeon would be somewhere near that age, maybe in his 80s or 100s, and here he is waiting all these years just to see the Messiah, Hey, I saw him. Now I'm good to go. No, now I saw him and I, I held him and I spoke to him. I heard him coo and he laughed at me and I got to talk to his parents. What is that? That's God's grace. What is that? That's an extra scoop. Hey, that's an extra blessing. Hey, he didn't ask for it, but now he's receiving it. Well, pastor, why do you see him as receiving that? I see him receiving that because he was surrendered to the Spirit of God. Can I tell you this morning that God still blesses people who are surrendered to his Spirit? Galatians 5.16 says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pastor, what do you mean to walk in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit is acknowledging I need God's decision and God's direction. Excuse me, I need God's direction in every decision. Walking in the Spirit, God, I need you in every decision I make. Walking in the Spirit is, God, how do you want me to respond in this conversation? Walking in the Spirit is waking up and saying, God, I need you today, just like I did yesterday. Walking in the Spirit, saying, God, I need your help in my marriage. Right now in this conversation, God, I need you. And at work, God, I need you. And, at, and the decisions with my teenagers, God, I need you. And the decisions with my spouse, God, I need you. And the decisions with my finances, God, I need you. Listen, walking in the Spirit is more than just submitting to him. Submitting to him says, God, I, I'm I'm here. 
Surrendering says, I have no prerequisites. I don't need anything. I just want to follow your voice every step of the way. Well, what happens when we do that? Man, I think God gives an extra blessing. I see it all throughout Scripture. And when we're surrendered to his spirit, God gives the extra blessing. I wonder, when's the last time that you woke up in the morning and said, God, I'm surrendered to you today? When's the last time that you were going through the day and had a rough situation, and instead of thinking, boy, I can handle this, you stopped and said, God, I, I need help. God, God, I can't handle this. I need you. I see Simeon surrender to be led by the spirit, and God blessed. This morning, I want you to see real quick that God blesses when we submit to him. God blesses when we surrender to him. But then lastly today, God blesses when we serve him. I love the life of this lady, Anna. It says there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, and she lived in, uh, with a husband seven years from her virginity. So that means she was married for seven years, and then her husband died. It says she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. So she was married for seven. She's been a widow for 84. That's 91 years. If she got married at the earliest age, which would be about 12 to 14, we'll say 14, that means at least she's 105 years old. This lady, Anna, 105. But what's she doing? She was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God. <laughs> served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the Lord, spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Here we read about this lady who is at least 105 years old. And what's she doing? She's still serving God. Still serving, we find her faithful to serve, and because of her faithfulness, she too was able to see the Messiah. Verse 38, it says that she coming in an instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. The word likewise, it means that she joined in in the praises and blessings. It means just like Simeon did, Anna also was able to come and see the Messiah and hold the Messiah and speak of the Messiah. And then she was able to go out and speak to all those who looked for that redemption, that deliverance that Messiah would bring Anna was one that got to go and be the voice of God. This 105-year-old lady. Can I just tell you and talk with you just for a minute about this idea of serving the Lord? Every one of us, we give excuses as to why we can't serve God. How about you start giving excuses as to why you're going to serve God? 105 years old. Now, we don't have anybody 105 in here, but we do have some folks that are getting close. And I'm not gonna embarrass anybody, but Miss Dolores, would you slip your hand up over there? Miss Helen, would you put your hand up right there? Here's two ladies, Miss Dolores. When's your birthday? Miss Helen, when's your birthday? Yeah. Both of them birthday on the 31st. Miss Dolores is gonna be 95 this year. Miss Helen's gonna be 91 this year. You know who are two people at Moses Lake Baptist Church that I know I can count on? Helen and Dolores. Oh, there may be some days where they're not feeling up for it. There may be some services where that spot might not be there, but you know what I, can, you know, what I know? I know that I, I'll see Miss Dolores and Miss Helen sitting right over here. I know it. 
Why? They're faithful. Man, there's others in here. I think of even Bill McKinney. You pray for Bill McKinney. He's in the emergency room this morning. Bill turns 90 in April. You know what I know I can count on for Bill? I can count on seeing Bill at church, and I can count on seeing him at coffee every Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock. Bill calls me every Tuesday. Are we going to coffee tomorrow, Pastor? Going to coffee? Yeah, Bill, we're going to coffee because I want to hear the same stories you told about 10 times. I hear them again. You know what? Listen, we need some Christians that will stop excusing themselves from having to do something and start making reasons as to why they're going to be faithful. Churches around, you know what you're going to find, Pastor? You're going to find me here. Time to give, you're gonna find me giving. Time to tell someone about Christ, you're gonna find me telling someone about Christ. Hey, it's time to serve, you're gonna find me serving. You know what I find interesting? Every now and then on a Saturday I come in, do you know who I see cleaning the church? 91-year-old Helen Honeycutt. Still cleaning. You know who I know is faithful to grab a few invitations and invite somebody to a Sunday night service this year? Dolores Provost, because someone will come and say, hey, Dolores needed some more invitations. You say, Pastor, are you trying to highlight these two ladies? No, I'm just trying to, I just try to point it, but maybe I am. The Bible says to give credit where credit is due, and here's two ladies who've been faithful to the Lord for years, and I want you both to know publicly, I love you, and you're a blessing to me. You're a blessing to me. You're a blessing to a lot of people, and Don Honeycutt was a blessing to a lot of people. Don was 86, 85, 86 years old, and still shaking my hand and greeting me. 80, yeah, he's 89 when he passed away. Man, I look at that, you know what? That's just faithfulness to serve. I wonder where are the Annas of our generation? Well, pastor, I'm not 100 yet, so I still have some time. <laughs> how, about, how about you just be 40 and do it? How about you just be a 17-year-old that says, I love the Lord? How about you just be a 35-year-old and say, you know what, I'm putting God first. How about you just be a, uh, someone who's in your 20s and say, you know what, I'm gonna live for him. I'm in my 40s, I'm gonna live for him. I'm in my 50s, I'm gonna live for him. I'm in my 60s, I'm gonna live for him. I'm in my 70s, I'm gonna live for him. In my 80s, I'm gonna live for him. I'm in my 90s, hey, I'm gonna live for him. Why? Because he's worth it. Amen. Anna saw the Messiah as worth it. She didn't even know him. You have Jesus. Is he worth it to you? Amen. I look at her life and I see someone who's faithful to serve and I hope today that we would be challenged through the life of Anna, understanding God blesses when you serve. The life of Simeon, understanding God blesses when you surrender. The life of Mary and Joseph to see that God blesses when we submit. As we close this morning, I wanna just come to one final thought and that thought is this. Will you make the decision that this week you're going to submit to him Surrender to him and serve him. Well, why would I want to do that? Because I like the extra scoops. <laughs> I like the extra blessings. And God's plan for my life didn't stop when I said yes to Jesus. God's plan for my life started when I said yes to Jesus. And this week, he's got a plan for you. But that plan's not going to come. That extra blessing's not going to come unless you're submitting to him, surrendered to him, and serving him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.